0: The scripture reading today is taken from John, chapter 14, verses 15 to 24. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but it is from the Father who sent me.
1: Good morning. We welcome you again to Western Park Baptist Church. Uh, moving through the month of May, we trust that uh, as we get into the summer season, that uh, you will uh, enjoy the gift of uh, the summer, gift of the seasons, and even maybe some of the heat. Um, maybe we can feel refreshed from all that, in spite of this pandemic that uh, carries on. We've been thinking of the theme, God comes towards us. And last week we considered on Pentecost the truth that the Spirit of God, our triune God, Father, Parent, Son, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is God's communication with us and to us. That our ongoing experience of God in a particular way comes through the Holy Spirit communicating the love of God for you and for me. So the Holy Spirit is a is a profound gift and is also a move forward in terms of this storyline of God coming towards us that we've been tracking through Old and New Testament. And today we, we even take that a bit farther with the reality of God's inhabitation. So the Father, Parent, Son, Spirit, not only are communicated towards us, but inhabit us. That the creator of the universe lives within us, through Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So the inhabitation of the reality of God. It's like God squeezing himself, if I can say that, down to a very small size, so he comes into our hearts and lives within us. That, that kind of communion is a wonderful gift, and that, that is the, one of the goals that God has with us, to be in such intimate communion with us that he inhabits us. So it's a a profound statement, and to help us, we're going to uh, look at some verses from John, the Upper Room Discourse, particularly John chapter 14. But as we begin, let me read this piece from Carlo Corretto that speaks of this inhabitation. He writes, I am a dwelling place, I am not alone. In the secret depths of my poor human substance is the presence of God. Not a God who is solitary, but a God who is Trinity, a God who is love. So I love that beginning. I am a dwelling place. I am not alone. God comes. He lives within us. In that, in reality, our whole human experience is about Coming to terms with this knowledge and experience of God being with us, creator to creature. That this is a goal of creation, a goal of evolution, if you like, is that we might come to this intimate, dynamic relationship with God, not just for now, but for all time. So with that in mind, we turn to John 14. I'm going to read some verses there, 17, 20, and 23. We'll look at these as our text. You know him, this is Jesus speaking, you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. On that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. And then particularly verse 23, Jesus answered him, Those who love me will keep my word and my Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. And we will come to them and make our home with them. That's the inhabitation of God, Father, Son, and Spirit within us. That this is the great communion. This is the great goal for you and for me in our life journey. So the first point we look at then is God making his home in us. The verb that uh, John uses in the Upper Room Discourse a lot is this verb meno, which means to dwell, to abide, to remain in us. And depending on the English translation you're working with, it'll be one of those words, to dwell, to abide, to remain, something like that. God coming again and filling our hearts, living within us, dwelling, abiding, remaining, no distance between God and us. Connection, connectivity, we use here at uh, Weston Park in terms of our Facebook page, connectivity, our website. And that's the goal here with God with us, God's connection with us, God's connectivity. I don't know if you've seen the film The Shack, you know, in some ways wasn't a fabulous film, but it did sell $100 million worth of uh, earnings. But the premise I really like, and the the premise is a picture of the divine family, the holy family of God, the Godhead. And the father is pictured as an African-American matriarch. That's that picture. And the son is a young Middle Eastern man. And the spirit is a young millennial Asian woman. And so they picture the Trinity in these characters. And through the film, you see the Trinity interacting in love and friendship and laughter. That's how the Trinity is pictured. And then the protagonist, who's had this terrible experience of losing a child, an abduction, this great pain, that this individual carries. And and as a film, it really does get at that point, which I think is worthwhile. Our great pain, his great pain, that he carries with him, he has to deal with this, and it's the trinity of God that helps the protagonist come to terms with the loss of his daughter. And so what we're pictured here is this trinity of God inhabiting us. Father, mother, parent, son, spirit, living within us, encouraging us. This is is the goal. We saw it last week of of Pentecost, the spirit coming. And remember, the spirit comes as a dove, and Jesus, as a picture of this, is, is baptized in the Jordan, and he's baptized to come and show his his connection with us, his solidarity with us, to enter fully into the human condition. And so God, when he comes and lives within us, is is in a reality experiencing our human condition through his son. So we've already seen that in the story we looked at last week in Matthew 3, the baptism of Jesus. And here we continue to see this penetration of the spirit with us, and for us. And one of the imports of this reality is that we, as we live our lives, we do not live alone. We are a dwelling place, as Correto wrote. We are not alone. And so it speaks to our issues, one, of fear. Do, we don't have to live with fear anymore of what may happen because the biggest truth is already being dealt with, and that is that we have ongoing life, and we will get through whatever issues we are facing right now. We don't have to respond in fear. And with that is the issue of security. We are secure in God. We have have fears of security. We wonder what might happen in the future. We spin our minds and we live in the future instead of staying in the present. And what John is saying, what Jesus is saying, we, we can not live controlled by fear or anxious about our security. We can trust and depend. In our God, it's the Lord's Prayer. He is with us every day. Jesus says, do not be anxious for tomorrow. We can trust and we can depend and we can lean on God, God's penetration into our hearts, his inhabitation. And if that is real, then we don't have to be controlled by fear or live insecure lives. We can trust and depend on God. So it's it's a wonderful reality. And and if you want to sit with that, in in, in greater time, read John 13 through 17, what this passage is known as the Upper Room Discourse. Jesus speaks with his disciples on the eve of his death and resurrection. He communicates in in an intimate way, not just with them, but with us. And the key point of all of that is that of God's inhabitation. We will make our home with you and in you Jesus says, speaking of God as our father, our parent. And so that's the the first piece we look at. The inhabitation of God. The great reality, the great step. Thielike used to say, getting in the clear with God. We get in the clear with God. We enter into a relationship with him, and that's bigger than all the other stuff that goes on in our lives. That is the key piece. It's like a fish swimming in the ocean, you know, moving from a little fishbowl and into the ocean. All the dynamic and the reality of that, getting in the clear. We're invited to get in the clear with God. And that happens as we say yes. And so God's inhabitation leads us to the second point. And the point is that as we do that, we have a greater sense of our own identity that we know that we are becoming children of God and that we are children of God and not just little babies or little children, but that we are invited to become adults, spiritual adults, mature, Paul will write about, becoming full in our maturity. They'll write of us us becoming brothers and sisters of Christ. This, This is adults. And so we are... Invited into an adult relationship with God. Brothers and sisters of Jesus. This is the the dynamic that we have. To know our inheritance. That we have a purpose here. And again, that this is a connection with God in us. To really know who we are, why we're here. Which transcends our, our day to day. Particularly, for example, in terms of our our careers, or all the competition we, we experience in life, and all the comparisons. You know, it's, it's endemic to our society. We're always comparing. Who's doing this or who's doing that? What have they got? Remember Underhill saying there's three verbs that we conjugate, and one of them is to have. So we spend a lot of time thinking about what we have. And then she says there's another verb we conjugate is to do. We spend a lot of time thinking about doing, having, doing, competing, comparing. But she reminds us that the third verb, to be, is actually the most important verb of all life, to be. This is our big job, to be, to become, sons and daughters of God, brothers and sisters of Christ. So it speaks to our clarity and to our purpose, that he abides in us. Jesus gets to this, Reality when he tells the parable of what's most important. So he says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid. Then in his, he, then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. The emphasis in that parable is the combination of words, that field. Everything goes on in his life, and he realizes the most essential thing is having access to that field. That field refers to our purpose, our identity. That's the most important thing. Not getting caught up with everything else. Second one, he says, Jesus says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. And on finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. And so again, the whole parable here is finding the one pearl of great value. Buying, getting that field, getting that pearl. That's what life is about, Jesus is saying. So there's a great goal, and the goal connects with our identity. Let's make that our focus. Jesus is saying Jesus is saying, and God is saying. God is saying, I want to remind you what is essential in life. That field, that pearl, that's what your whole journey is about. Whether you live short life or a long life, it doesn't really matter, because we have one eternal life with God and in communion with God. And so the inhabitation of God connects then with our identity. You can speak and read more on that looking at the upper room discourse. Paul gets at this truth when he says in Ephesians 1 that we were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit last week. And this is the pledge of our inheritance towards redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. So we have an inheritance, and it's about redemption. It's about fullness. It's about abundance. This is what Paul is saying, generation after Christ living his life. Paul is saying, this is our goal. Let's keep this in mind. There's one thing that is essential to will one thing, Kierkegaard says. And then thirdly, we are reminded that we are not to resist this calling that there is always this tendency and indeed proclivity to resist the dynamic of becoming sons and daughters of god so it's interesting that our text follows immediately in john 15 both one and verse 5 with another i am statement so note what jesus says right after this still part of the upper room discourse i am the vine I am. That's the I am statement. I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Because apart from me you can do nothing. The inhabitation of God, the inhabitation of Jesus, the spirit. I am the vine. You are the branches. And so Jesus makes this statement right after talking about our identity that we will stay in in connection, connectivity with God. So here in this image, the father is the vine grower and Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. And so the image is we need as branches to stay connected to the vine if we are going to receive ongoing life. And then we flip that around and we also see that the vine needs the branches to finally bear fruit. So there is this intimate dynamic in relationship of vine and branches. And we are invited to stay in the vine, to keep feeding on the vine, keep feeding on Jesus, who is our soul food. He is our source of life. Keep connected to Christ, our Trinitarian God. This is the image. I am the vine, you are the branches. So we are to remain. So the challenges we tend to drift away. We we just lose track of what's most important. I've done a lot of diving over the years in the St. Lawrence River, and there's always a current, and oftentimes the current is quite strong. So as soon as you jump in, you start getting pushed. Or if you're in the Caribbean on on an ocean current dive, you jump in, you get pushed. The current pushes you, and it's actually hard to turn around and resist the current just to kind of hold your ground. And and in life, we're we're getting pushed by the current, all of us. And not only are we being pushed, we are tempted by the things of our world and the experiences of our world. We're, We're drawn to that. And so it is an ongoing dynamic that we need to resist. We need to resist, to stay close to God, to say yes to him, There is this tendency to fall asleep, to lose track, to become spiritually unresponsive. Even though God is inhabiting us, he doesn't force us, he doesn't overpower us. It's it's always this dynamic, is this what you want? Will you stay close with me? It's this adult relationship of love. Will we say yes to God in love? Even while we're being pushed. And so in your experience, in my experience, that's the dynamic. God desires to live within us, that we might find who we are, our true selves, to move beyond our false selves, to gain our true selves, as Merton says. And not to start drifting and drifting and drifting. So it's interesting also, in this vine image, I mean, if you garden a little bit, we we, we know that weeds come up and and you have to weed them up. We have to do that work if we want to remain in the vine and healthy. But there's also the dynamic of God pruning us. So we see that in 15, verse 2. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. So Jesus is saying God prunes us. God cuts back areas that are getting in the way and keep us from growing and developing and maturing. And he does that so you and I can bear more fruit. That our lives can actually be more abundant. Problem is, is we don't like the pruning. We don't like the cutting back. We don't like the resistance on that end. We want to do just what we want to do. But because God loves us, he loves you, he prunes us so that we will bear more fruit. And so as we're coming to a close, I just ask you, I mean, where is there pruning going on in your life right now? Where are you struggling in your faith, perhaps? John of the Cross talked about all of us go through some dark night of the soul. It's part of the spiritual journey. There will come a time when we are in that time of darkness. And we don't feel particularly close to God at all. But it doesn't mean that God is not there or God is not working us. He can be pruning in your life to get you through the dark night of the soul to come back into a place of fullness and light. And so maybe some of the challenges you are facing right now is the reality that God is working in your life in this experience of pruning. I mean, Jesus isn't joking. He's not just saying it for a laugh. We do experience pruning because God is for us. If you're a parent of little children, you know, younger children, you have to put up areas to kind of refine work with the kids You can't just do whatever the heck you want and God does that with us too he prunes us because he loves us you do it for your child because you love them God does it for us because he loves us and so pruning is part of the reality whether we want to face it or not whether we like it or not God does it does it in your life in my life and it can hurt But he is the one who is taking care of the vine, and Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches. The branches need pruning. It happens every vineyard in in Ontario. Niagara-in-the-Lake, Prince Edward County, down on Lake Erie, pruning goes on and on and on to care for the vines. So God is a God who comes towards us. God is a God who inhabits us. And this great movement is a big part of our life journey. So I pray that we will Open ourselves up. Open ourselves up to his movement. Be receptive. To say yes to him. The great yes instead of the barren no. Joan Chichester writes this. No life can afford to be too busy to close the doors on chaos regularly. 20 minutes a day, two hours a week, a morning a month, Otherwise, we find in the middle of some long, lonely night when all of life seems unraveled and disoriented somewhere along the line we lost sight of the self and became fodder in the social world and never even noticed until psychic darkness descended that it happened to us. Wow, that's a big statement. No life can afford to be too busy. She suggests 20 minutes a day. 20 minutes a day to just say yes to God. Be open to that fruitful relationship of God working in us. May we say yes to him. May we say yes to the inhabitation of God, Father, Son, Spirit in our lives. And I offer you these words this morning.